Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by frederickSDAchurch.org. It's easy to make money our first priority. It pays the bills and feeds our families. In part two of this sermon series, Pastor Q helps us to understand that to find financial peace, we must put God first. I was a little bit worried um, when we first walked out. Did you notice how many pews were empty? And I said to myself, uh-oh, see, that's what happens when you talk about money. <laughs> that's what happens when you start a sermon series on stewardship. Couples and families say, you, remember, you know that camping trip we've been planning? You know that trip to Antietam? No, but I'm glad that you guys turned out. And uh, like you probably already know, last week we started a sermon series on finances. Not stewardship, because we're not going to be talking about the stewardship of time or the stewardship of talents. No, no. This sermon series, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're talking about specifically the stewardship of money, the stewardship of finances. And if you were here with us last week, you'll remember that we talked about the fact that God will provide. That we can trust in him We can step out in faith knowing that God will provide. You will also remember that I mentioned that the reason why I feel it's important for me to have this series is because of that one text in scripture that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And as your senior pastor... There is nothing more that I worry about than the condition of your heart. Where is your heart? Where is your relationship with God? That to me is the most important thing. Where is your heart? Because I know that at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, that is what really matters. And it mattered for Jesus. Jesus' parables, two-thirds of the parables of Jesus dealt specifically with money. And apparently when you look at scripture and when you look at the teachings of Jesus, he points out that your relationship with money is a barometer of your relationship with him. And that's why he spent so much time talking about how and what should your relationship with money look like? What should that, um, how should that materialize? And so it's important for me to also address this because I care for you. I want to know that you have the assurance of salvation. I want you to have the confidence that if something was to happen today, if Jesus was to come tomorrow, you know that you would be saved. And looking at our relationship with, with money is a barometer of where that is. And that is why we've begun this sermon series on finances, on money. And so last week, I pointed out a very simple message that God will provide. You need to understand that moving forward. You have to understand that principle, that overarching principle that God will provide. Well, guess what? Today's message is just that simple. It's, it's as simple as God will provide. In fact, it's probably even a little simpler than that. Pretty simple. I don't want to complicate things because I know that when you talk about money and you talk about such a, such a sensitive subject, it can get complicated. 
but I want to make it as easy as I can. And so here's today's message wrapped up in three words. In three words, here it is. Put God first. Put God first. That's today's message. Put God first. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You don't need to raise your hands. You need, don't need to nod, okay? You can answer this internally. But are you the type of family or are you the individual that when you receive your paycheck or your income, do you immediately write out a check or set aside the money that you're going to give to God and then from what you have left, pay the bills and the expenses? Or are you the type of family or are you the individual that once you receive your paycheck, you receive your income, you pay all the expenses and all the bills first, everything, you're spending cash, you set that aside, you, you send off to the, to the credit cards, you send off to the loans, the car payments, the mortgage, and then whatever's left over, if there's anything left over, whatever's left over out of that, that's what I will decide what will come out of the leftovers to give to God. I want to encourage you this morning to put God first. You know, I kind of grew up in a um, uh, kind of a normal home, maybe a strange home. I guess it depends how you look at it. My mom was 42 years old when she had me. My dad was 53. By the time I was eight, nine years old, all my siblings had already moved out of the house. My oldest brother is 20 years older than I am. And so by the time I was nine, my sister had gotten married and she was out. And you can say that growing up as a child, I grew up kind of like with grandparents. I mean, they were old enough to be grandparents. And so I kind of grew up in a home with parents that kind of had that, that wisdom, you know, that only comes through experience, you know, and, and I kind of grew up with, with, with grandparents, even though they were my parents, they were my grandparents. In fact, sometimes when we would go out and we would go out with my sister, once she was older, they would think that I was her son and that my mom was my, my grandmother. And so, you know, I kind of grew up in, in that environment. And I grew up in an environment where, for some reason, I enjoyed hearing stories. I used to sit at my, at my parents' feet as they told me stories about Cuba and things that they had experienced, things that they had gone through. And consequently, whenever they would have friends come over who were also older, not old, they were older, and my siblings were gone, and well, their, their sons and daughters were gone as well. There I was all by myself, and it was either me playing by myself or hang out with the older crowd in the living room listening to what they had to say. And so that was me. I would sit by and just listen to story after story. And I guess that's why I enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes so much. Because here we have a man nearing the end of his life, 
now taking all the wisdom that he has learned from his past experiences, and he's nearing the end of his life, and he says, I want to put together some words of wisdom, some, some last words that I can pass on to generations to come. And so Solomon, before he says his farewell, he writes down what he learned and he passes it on to us. And I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to start in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting with verse 4. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Verse 4. Immediately following the book of Proverbs, you have Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4. And this is what he writes I made my works great, I built myself houses, and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of provinces I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from my any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in my labor, and this was my reward from all my labors. Now, how many of us would say, man, I wish I can have that kind of life. Man, I wish I had the resources, right, to be able to go and build and acquire. Uh, can you imagine having singers? Can you imagine me hiring you guys on a full-time basis so that you can just sing at my house? Amen, right? That would be great. Have land, acres, plant fruit trees, plant pools to feed those fruits. I mean, you talk about the life. I mean, you talk about having it all. And what does Solomon say? At the end of his life, nearing the end of his life, before his last farewell, what does he say about everything that he had acquired? We read that in verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity, and grasping for the wind, there was no profit under the sun. Has anyone here ever tried to grasp at the wind? The closest I think I've come to that is grasping at leaves as they fall in the fall. And that's quite a task. It's harder than you think. You see that leaf coming 
and the wind's blowing it back and forth and you kind of look a little dumb trying to catch that leaf and, and, and you can't. Oftentimes it just, unless you try and smother it and try and grab it with both hands, you can't. Solomon said that all of these things, everything that I set out to do, all my acquisitions, everything that I had acquired, everything that I had bought, everything was vanity. It was like grasping at the wind. And you see what Solomon realized at the end of his life, what he realized that seeking earthly possessions will never bring the happiness and the joy and the purpose that you seek. And so he leaves us with this word of advice. He says, put God first. Now, I know that there are some here that says, you know what? Pastor, leave it up to me. I'd rather learn the hard way. Right? Give me all the stuff and then I will figure it out for myself. My dad used to always tell me, son, there's two types of people in the world. He says, one... They have to learn things on their own. They have to learn the hard way. He says, there's a second type of people. There's a second type of person in the world, though. Those are the ones that learn from other people's mistakes. And then he would say, with, then he would say to me, you have the choice. Pick which person you want to be. Solomon tells us, after acquiring everything, after seeking everything, it was vanity. It was nothing. And here he is at the end of his life telling us that the thing that really matters is putting God first. This is a message that Jesus time and time again shared with his disciples and with those that were following him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Remember, we looked at that text last week. It was a message that he was constantly sharing. Seek first the kingdom of God. You seek happiness, you seek joy, you seek peace, you seek rest, you seek purpose. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, all these things that are necessary, they shall be added Unto you. Today's message is very simple. Put God first. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, it was actually our scripture reading for today. Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13. Because here we read one of those instances when Jesus was sharing this message with someone about putting God first. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 says this. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, there's just a a few things that we know about this text. There's a lot of things we don't know about this text. We do know that Mosaic law said that the firstborn would receive double the inheritance as, as opposed to all the subsequent sons. So the firstborn would get twice as much as the secondborn or thirdborn or, or fourth, so on. Okay, And so here we don't know how many brothers there were. We really don't even know which brother is the one asking. We assume 
that it might have been the secondborn or the thirdborn, not the firstborn. Because the firstborn, hey, he got his share. He got double what everybody else got. So we're assuming that here we have either the secondborn or thirdborn, one of the brothers down the line who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you convince my brother to divide things equally among us? Now, see, this, this young man was playing his cards right because he'd been listening to Jesus. He kind of knew what Jesus was all about. He knew that Jesus kind of sometimes bucked the system when he was teaching how to be fair. And so he's coming to Jesus saying, ha, here's my chance. He'll buck the system and he'll tell my brother to be fair and to divide the inheritance equally. But man, was he mistaken. Because in verse 14, it says, but he said to him, this is Jesus, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And here Jesus, like he's done so many times in the past, is able to see to the heart. He's able to see the intent of the heart. He's able to see the heart condition and read what's really behind the request or the question. Now remember, this is a heart thing. Last week, we talked about where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. And Jesus, concerned about his heart and where his intent is, responds to him in verse 14 like this. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness or all covetousness, as some of your versions might say. Now, covetousness is is basically a desire to have something that isn't yours. The desire to want something that doesn't belong to you. And here Jesus says, beware of covetousness. Beware of, of the desire that's within your heart to want something that isn't yours. And then he says this most powerful statement. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Wow. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, how contrary is that to what the world teaches us today? Very. I mean, it's night and day. We live in a world that says the more you have, the better you are. The world that we live in today says the more houses you have, the higher class you are, the better of a person you are. Man, the more cars you drive or the more boats you have or the more things that you have, the more possessions that you have, the better off you'll be. And here Jesus says the complete opposite. He says, listen, friends, your life does not consist of the abundance of the possessions that you have. He says, put God first. Put God first. Now, he goes on in verse 16 to tell a very interesting parable. In verse 16, 
This parable, by the way, teaches us so many spiritual lessons on so many different levels that we don't have time today to go through every one of them. But we're going to read this because there's a few things that I want to point out to you. So verse 16, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Any thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? My crops. All right. Verse 18. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, obviously, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn there about hoarding, right? Man, my storage unit isn't big enough. I need to either rent another one or I have to build a bigger barn to store all of my stuff. That's not what we're talking about here right now. We're talking about putting God first. And so here he tells this parable of this man who obviously had a lot. He gathered all of these things. Mistake number one, he thought that all of those things were his. And we're going to cover that in just a few moments. But this is how Jesus addresses this problem, the situation in verse 20. But God said to him, fool, fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? In other words, if you were to die today, who do these things now belong to? You're gone. You're not here. Who do they belong to? Verse 21, so he who lays up treasure for himself... And is not rich towards God. In other words, put God first. You read on, he continues. Now, he, now Luke here is recalling the story that was told in Matthew chapter 6 about not worrying about what you eat, not worrying about what you drink, not worrying about the clothes that you wear, not worrying about earthly possessions. And then in verse 31, he says, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the message comes across clear. Seek first God. Put God first. That is your your number one goal, to put God first. And in this context, in this message, put God first in your finances. When it comes to your money, When it comes to how you relate to your money, put God first. Now, I don't know what that means for you. Every one of us is in a different place in life. That might mean that you have to to give a little more offering. That might mean you need to start returning a faithful tithe. That might mean that you have to go back and sell some things. That might mean that you might have to look at what you're spending your money on. The point here, the message is to put God first in your finances. Put him first. Now, 
Let me give you three secrets. Three secrets that you can jot down that will help you to put God first. Three secrets. Here it is. Secret number one. You have to understand from the get-go that God owns everything. You want to put God first in your finances, you want to put God first in your money, the first thing you have to realize, the first secret is, guess what? God owns everything. Psalms 50. Read it. Take time to read it for yourselves. God owns everything. There is nothing that I have that isn't God's. It's all God's. I am simply but a steward of what he has given me. God owns everything. Jack Davis, at the end of first service, he comes up to me and he says, Pastor, thank you so much for that wonderful message. He says, you're right. He says, God owns everything. And then he says to me, he even owns the breath that I breathe. He is absolutely correct. God owns everything. Even the breath that is within me is on loan from God. It is on loan from him. It is because of his grace that I am alive right now. Everything belongs to him. That is the number one secret, the first secret to putting God first in your finances. That's the number one secret that you have to understand that everything belongs to God. It is not yours. Unlike this young man in the parable who went about saying, my crops, my barns, my house. No, 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 no. Everything belongs to God. Secret number two. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting with verse 11 around there, teaches us that God is the one who gives us the power to acquire wealth. Let me say that again. Deuteronomy chapter 8, jot it down. Deuteronomy chapter 8 teaches us that God is the one who gives us the power to acquire wealth. It is his responsibility, it is God's responsibility. God is is, is the one who determines who is gifted in what. And he is the one that gives us the power to acquire wealth. Now, some of us are sitting here and saying, man, I hope I'm the one chosen. I hope I'm the one that's given the power to acquire wealth. But guess what? Some of us have been gifted to preach. Some of us have been gifted to evangelize. Some of us have been gifted with hospitality. Some have been gifted to administrate, to to, to be administrators. Some of us have been gifted to acquire money all of which should be used for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Where would I be today with my gift of preaching if it wasn't for the offerings and tithe that you provide? I'd probably be on some corner somewhere, some street corner. But your ability to give Offerings and tithe not only gives me, but gives the evangelists in our midst, gives all the ministry leaders within our midst the capacity and the ability to minister and to reach out and to spread the gospel. Make no mistake about it, that every one of us have been gifted to do something and that gift ought to be used for the honor and glory of God, including the wealth that he gives us. 
Secret number two, God is the one that gives us the power to acquire wealth. Secret number one, all belongs to God. Secret number two, God gives the power. Now, secret number three, in putting God first in your finances, and that is to be content with what you have. Be content with what God has given you. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. The third secret to putting God first in your finances to be content. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says this. Now godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Have you guys ever seen that bumper sticker that says, he who has the most toys wins? Have you guys read that bumper sticker before? And then there's another bumper sticker that I believe is there to kind of combat that one that says, he who has the most toys still dies. (laughs) Have you seen that one? (laughs) Here, Paul reminds us that you brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. Verse 8. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Wow. Man, he stripped it down, didn't he? With food and clothing, we shall be content. Now listen to verse 9. But those who desire to be rich... Fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now notice, because this, this verse is oftentimes misquoted. Oftentimes you hear people say that money is the root of all evil. Well, they've misquoted it not just once, but twice. Because first of all, it says that the love of money, not money, okay? Money in of itself, there's nothing wrong with money. It's just a piece of paper. And in fact, as we will read in just a few seconds, in just a few seconds, he encourages people to give money to the cause, So there's nothing wrong with money. It is the what? The love of money. Do you see the priority? It's putting money first as opposed to putting God first. That's why today's message is very simple. Put God first. The second point that the second time that they misquote this is that it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says. It says all kinds of of evil, okay? All kinds of evil. Well then, like I said, verse 17, it says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, 
nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. We've all been gifted. We all have, and some of us have multiple gifts. And all of those gifts are to be used for the honor and glory of God. And that may include the wealth that God has given us. How am I going to use this to honor him, to bring glory to him? But don't miss the message. Whether you're rich or poor, the message is to put God first. Put God first. And how do you do that? The three secrets of putting God first is that number one, you must understand that everything belongs to God. Number two, you have to remember that God is the one that gives the power to acquire wealth. And number three, you have to be content where you are in life. You have to be content with what God has given you. Do you remember what Paul said? Paul said, I have learned to be content in all situations. It doesn't matter if I have much or if I have little. It doesn't matter if I have food or if I go hungry. It doesn't matter if I'm slave or free. In whatever situation I'm in, I have learned to be content. Why? Because I have learned to put God first. The book of Ecclesiastes ends with these words. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 Verse 13, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. All right. He's coming to the end of his letter and he says, this is the conclusion of everything that I've been trying to say in this book. This is it. Here's the bottom line. He says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. You want to find the happiness that you seek, the peace, the joy. You want to find the purpose that you seek in life. The answer is put God first. And I will tell you that there is no, there, there is no more powerful way of doing that than when it comes to our finances, than when it comes to the money that we have. Because you put God first in that area of life everything else will start to fall into place for you. The message for today, put God first. Because after all, he put you first. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 